This morning, we will continue our study of 1 Corinthians. Now, later in the book, Paul will condemn a number of sinful behaviors that were prevalent in the church of Corinth. In fact, he'll go so far as to say that the members of the church of Corinth were committing sins that were greater than the unbelievers living in Corinth. But Paul understood that the moral failure of the church was a symptom of their intellectual failure. What this means is that the Corinthians had become misguided in their thinking. They were thinking the way the world thinks instead of thinking with the mind of Christ. And as a result, they were not acting in a way that becomes the follower of Christ. That is why Paul begins the letter by addressing their wrong thinking. If we are to have the mind of Christ, we must first take hold of what the Bible tells us about what we have in Christ and who we are in Christ by virtue of our union with him. These truths serve to reorient us and they allow us to see the world and ourselves differently. Today we will consider 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 5 through 9. This passage serves as an extended greeting, continuing what Paul said earlier. But in it, Paul also reminds the Corinthian believers what had been given to them in Christ Jesus. Paul says this, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice that Paul says, I give thanks to God for you, because of the grace that God had given in Christ Jesus. On their own, the believers in Corinth weren't praiseworthy. They were entangled in the same kind of sins that was prevalent in Corinth, And Paul tells us that they caused him grief untold. That being the case, Paul still gives thanks for them. His thanks is to God, and this word of thanks reveals some important truth. First, we as human beings like receiving credit. We like people to think well of us, to recognize our accomplishments, and to praise us for our good qualities and good deeds. It is not wrong to work hard or take pride in our work. In fact, we should work hard since that is the way God designed us. But it is much better to evaluate our successes in light of God's grace. We see this later in the book when Paul asks the believers in Corinth, What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? This shouldn't cause inaction or laziness, as if nothing we do matters but it should reorient our own thinking and make us humble. Having a humble opinion of ourselves, coupled with a high view of God and His grace, is a part of the reorienting that is necessary if we are going to think with the mind of Christ. But it also means that there is hope. As we struggle against our own sinful desires, we can take comfort because we know that we can and will overcome our sin through the power of God's grace given to us in Christ. Something else that the Corinthians were given is that they were enriched in Christ in all speech and knowledge. This is certainly included in part of what was given them by God's grace. They were enriched by God's grace, not materially, but spiritually. They were given access to a different kind of speech and knowledge. 
This speech and knowledge is connected to the testimony of Christ being confirmed in them. This testimony is the gospel. Our world desperately needs the people of God to speak differently. The gospel changes the way we think. It reveals to us that we are sinners so that we humbly submit ourselves to God and it changes the way we speak in that it causes us to want to proclaim the truth about God's goodness in Christ. In Romans 10, Paul says, How beautiful are the feet of them who preach the good news. There is always a danger of the church thinking like and speaking like the world thinks and speaks. But this is an impoverished kind of speech because it neglects to take into account the wonderful message of the gospel. Believers have been enriched with speech and knowledge that comes from the very mind of God, and we need to share that with the world. Something else that the Corinthian believers were given is that they were not lacking in any gift. This means that believers have everything they need for life because of what has been given to them in Christ. The world is very good at telling us what it thinks we need, and it is easy to be drawn in by what they are selling. The mind of Christ produces contentment because it reveals what we already have in Christ. Now, sometimes it can be hard to quantify exactly what this means. But I believe that Paul helps us to understand these gifts in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. This is an interesting passage for a couple of reasons. First of all, in the original Greek, it's one long sentence. Paul literally spills forth, forth with this marvelous truth. Second, it is Trinitarian in that it looks at the work of the three persons of the Godhead and shows how God works together to give us every good gift. I want to summarize briefly what these gifts are, but I encourage you to go back at some point and read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. So what are the gifts that believers have in Christ? First, God the Father chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless before Him. He predestined us to adoptions as sons. We now belong to the family of God. In Christ, we have redemption through His blood. Redemption literally means bought out of slavery. We have forgiveness of our trespasses. He has made known to us the mystery of His will. No matter what happens in this life, we know how it ends and we know how to live as God designed us to live. We have a promised inheritance. And finally, we have been sealed or protected by the Spirit of God until the day we receive our inheritance in full. There is nothing offered by the world that can compare with the gifts that we already possess in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ allows us to trust in these good promises of God, to think about the world, and to speak into the world a very different message than what the world is accustomed to hearing. More than that, Paul tells the believers in Corinth that they would be sustained until the end. Despite that all believers have in Christ, there are greater things yet to come when Christ is revealed. We have to wait for it because the fullness of what God has for us will not be ours until Christ returns. But the promise is that God will sustain his people till the end. 
The belief that what this world has to offer is all there is can and often does lead to despair. But that doesn't have to be the case for believers. God has gifted us abundantly and he will sustain us until he comes again. That is a truth we need to take hold of. Finally, Paul reveals that they were called into fellowship with Christ. This is a remarkable statement because in Psalm chapter 5 verses 4 through 6, the psalmist says this, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. God cannot dwell with evil and will bring judgment on the wicked and evildoers. And this is what we deserve from God. But in Christ, we have fellowship. We are made part of God's family and we are welcomed as such. To have the mind of Christ means to think differently about ourselves and to think differently about the world. It changes what we value and it changes our outlook and our hope for the future. Let us take hold of these promises that God has offered to us in Christ Jesus. I want to close today by praying for our rhetoric school students, our rhetoric teachers, and our rhetoric parents. Please pray with me. Father, we are grateful for these good gifts that you have given us. Forgive us when we don't recognize them. Forgive us when we chase after what the world has to offer instead of embracing the good that you have given us in Christ Jesus. Today, I want to pray for our rhetoric schoolers, pray for the parents, for the teachers, and for the students. I pray that as they adjust to the new restrictions that go along with preparing for COVID, I pray that you would give them grace, that you would give them patience, help them help them to endure and recognize that this is only an inconvenience in the grand scheme of things. I especially want to pray for our seniors. I pray that you would equip them for all that they have to do this year, that they would finish well, that you would give them guidance and wisdom as they move forward in what into what you have for them next. We thank you again for this day. We ask you to bless it and help us in all things. Bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.